You're listening to New Churches Podcast, a production of Send Network on newchurches.com. We discuss all things church planting. If you're looking to take your next step toward multiplication, you're in the right place. Newchurches.com provides relevant and reliable resources for church planters, church multipliers, and disciple makers. Our growing library features pastors, planters, and church leaders like Ed Stetzer, David Platt, Trillia Newbell, Christine Hoover, Dahati Lewis, Trevin Wax, and many others. Hello, welcome back to the uh, New Churches podcast, and we have a uh, you know, I don't know that we should even like. I was going to say guest. It's not a guest. Like it says guest on my my sheet here, but it's not a guest. <laughs> this is Todd Atkins. This is Todd. Like you know Todd's voice from. You know, you we're should. on episode eight billion here, but like I'm saying, how many Todd? Like, like the were they OGs. like like four hundred of them had to be. You know, it took no. me like for a while. I didn't realize it, that there were actually like every other episode that that Daniel M and I were on, and you were on the other episode. Yes, remember that when I was like, wait. And then we had the three of us <laughs> together. So, <laughs> but we love, we love, Todd Atkins is a leader extraordinary. He's the director of leadership at Lifeway Christian Resources. Prior to Lifeway, he was executive pastor at McLean Bible Church. And uh, I love his passion. He loves to build armies, not just audiences. And uh, we were just talking about your amazing wife. You have four kids. Um, so super helpful to have you back on a podcast that you were yes. so beautifully central to. Then we, we moved it over to the newchurches.com. Well, we moved newchurches.com. So newchurches.com right. was a Lifeway thing forever. And so so we're, we love talking to Todd Atkins. And this is not your first time back, but you know we're talking some about uh, the cultural moment and leadership. Todd's a really a significant expert uh, in the field of leadership uh, as well. Podcasts, more, we'll talk about those. But um, we're talking some about the the challenge of the I don't know. I mean, it's almost like people aren't talking pandemic anymore. Just, you know, recently, right. uh, the emergency declarations all ended, you know, the people have declared it over, but for pastors, they're still in some ways dealing with the carnage. And I, I'm not just talking about though. Certainly it does impact like you, you know, people, depending on how long you shut down and you know, what state you were in, it's right. different, but man, it's just like you, what you started to feel in 2020 criticism, the division, the challenges. Uh, you know, this is probably the most difficult time most pastors have led in, in in their lifetime. All right. So so talk to me a little bit about what trends you see. Maybe you disagree with some of what I just said. Maybe you're seeing the same, but kind of unpack those a little more for us. What trends do you see personally for pastors and church leaders post-pandemic? Well, I do think people are a little tired of talking about post-pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So, like, thank you for being on the show. Uh, everyone have a great day. We're going to wrap it up at this point, but it's true. Uh, no, it's true, though. And, you know, um, there is all this emphasis on the stress and anxiety and burnout that pastors are feeling, but you you're you also see a uh, a response to that. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, it was one, it was one of those guys there that said, can we have a, we get to do this conference? Like, oh, that's nice. That's cool. I'm done talking about, you know, um, all the things that we're dealing with. And it's just, we just need to remind ourselves that we, we actually get to do this. This is, this is our job. And this is just, yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I think I feel that as well. And I like, I like that. I, I would say that, 
there's some people who they were just knocked on their back foot and now they're 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 got their footing again. And there's a lot of great ministry going on. I think people have had to sort of reset their expectations. Like they're living in a world where criticism is just at a higher level now. And it's just, it's just life. Get used to people being mad at you. You're the villain in somebody's story. Um, and, but, but then they're also having to set different patterns and rhythms because they needed reservoirs of resilience at a higher level. But I I think a lot of people, you're right. I think a lot of people are saying we want to get on with it, but they're getting on with it differently than they were before in some ways, or maybe that's just me, but do you see some differences between post-pandemic leadership and pre-pandemic leadership, or is that mainly me? Oh, no, 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 for sure. Um, I think people, people kept talking about a new normal and it never came. Yeah, it's um, good. Yeah. The, the thing that we're, are seeing is, you know, the normalization is really inconsistency and not predict, right. not the predictability that we once had. Um, in everything from attendance to people serving to whatever, because there were some people that were essential um, to the life and, and, and ministry of our churches. A lot of older people that were then categorized as, as more vulnerable or someone in their house was, and they were taken out whether they wanted to be or not. You know, it, it was, it was something that, um, that kind of happened to them. And those people are still, some of them have come back and some of them haven't. Um, some of them feel like their jobs were given to somebody else, you know, during that time and they weren't redeployed or, or perhaps they went to another church or, um, again, you know, uh, and you would, you would know this from a, a research perspective better than I, but you know, the, the lack of consistency in attendance, um, and what that does as well, you know, that was, that was normalized, um, so I think in part it's it's a normalization of inconsistency. Yeah, the level of chaos and and uh, and inconsistency. And again, I, I keep going back to the criticism thing. Now, again, I I don't think that's just. I mean, I recognize that you know I've been a cultural commentator for years. I'm 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 kind of expected to receive that kind of criticism, and I it's okay. It's a part of it. But I think that pastor of the church of you know 110 is experiencing a level of criticism that's kind of new for that pastor. And I, I think that matters too. But so talk to us some about the chaotic nature of uh, leadership, you know, because you're a real passion for the development of leaders. And part of what you're trying to do is to is to take the chaos out of the system so you can actually have a pathway or a pipeline. So what are some challenges to leading in chaotic times? And then I want to ask you in a minute, what about the development of leaders? But first, what are some challenges to leading in chaotic times? Uh, the challenges to leading in, in chaotic times mean that the levers that you used to be able to pull um, to move things have shifted. So mm-hmm. the structure and systems that were familiar to you that you relied on are are gone. Um, and, and even from a, a strategy perspective, trying to find what that is or in light of the structures and systems that have shifted, what is the strategy? Um, so I, I think there's there's those pieces, those elements. I, I had a friend in, um, in DC that I used to meet with. He was like pseudo staff. This guy was like a, a super coach. So we had super coaches, senior coaches, and then coaches and then small group leaders. Um, so this guy completely volunteer ran at a really high level, but his job was to predict the weather for the government. Wow. Uh, I'm not joking. And for, wow. you can imagine the three letter agencies and whatever he, he yeah. did that for. But one of my favorite conversations ever was 
we were, uh, we were, I don't know where we were having, having a meal. And he said, um, I was talking to him about the weather. Uh, and so he, he said, sometimes I can predict the weather, um, you know, like a month out. He's like, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, and you know, it's all about the, the different, um, systems that are coming together, um, that I can tell what it's, you know, roughly going to be. And that was his job, you know, to, to make sure he knew where things were going. It's like, sometimes I can't tell you, I can tell you what's going to happen in two weeks, uh, sometimes two days. And sometimes I can't even tell you what's happened in the next two minutes. Hmm. And so I think we're at a spot in culture and, you know, you, you tell me, um, but we may be at one of those spots where you just can't tell. And that is what is going to, that's what leads to so much chaos and these other pieces that we need, these levers that we need to pull. Okay. So, so then I love, I, th- I think that's super helpful. And I, I think part of it is getting accustomed to that. Sometimes the pathways we had before that were maybe, you know, I do these things and these things happen. The pathways are a little more convoluted that we ultimately, we might still get there. So talk to me about the development of leaders. That's something you're very okay. passionate about. Um, what is it the same? Is it, you know, is it finding a pathway, finding a pipeline? Are there differences between the two? Talk to us about that. So I come from a Baptist heritage and I would look at like the fifties and sixties. Um, you basically we've gone from a formation model of discipleship, uh, maybe being primary formation model, teaching model, attractional model. But what, what, in my opinion, um, has to come back is when you go all the way back in time, it, it, it's all about relationship. And so if, if I could marry, uh, two, two systems right now, it would be the formation and relational model, reduce everything that was extra that we've been doing, um, and really get back to those, those basic things and then tie it really closely from a relational perspective. And, you know, we can talk about different generations. We can talk about all different kinds of things, but in the end, at the end of the day, um, I think it's about relationship. I'm a result of good and godly people who couldn't ask you a good coaching question to save their life. They were farmers and factory workers, but they cared and they had some type of framework to walk me through. And I think in large part, I'm here today because of that. So they, they, you know, walk you through, they help develop you. They give you probably opportunities and more. Um, so, so now, you know, a lot of our listeners, they're, they're, you know, overwhelmingly church planners, uh, either pastors sending out church plants or brand new church planners or, you know, a year and two or three in. So typically their leadership development is, um, is what we might've called. We all sort of reject the language sometimes, but lay people to help them be more effective leaders in maybe volunteer roles. That's probably what most people think, uh, or apply this conversation about developing leaders as well. Part of the challenge is as the culture has become more divided, you know, sometimes doing this multi-ethnically, multiculturally is right. becoming more challenging. Um, as, as, and people maybe are, you know, I, I hear people saying that sometimes people are like post pandemic, people have been less likely to volunteer. And then other people say they're more like, it's, it's interesting, but probably I hear less likely more than I hear more likely. So, so then what would that look like relationally? So I'm going to have this relationship with 
these this this wonderful person who's going to be you know coordinating our small groups at our new church plant. So from that relationship, though, I need to develop certain leadership characteristics and capabilities in them. What does that look like for you? Okay, so for me, I would say you need to you really need to remarry discipleship and development, um, and say, hey, these these things aren't so different. Um, and by that, I mean understanding that there's core competencies uh, or, or core things to the faith and them growing as a disciple, um, as well as there's some development pieces of, you know, leading a small group that they need to do. So if you want to think of it, universal core competencies and then, you know, based on the role. Um, but I think in both cases, that has to be, um, I think that has to be done by the person who's already doing it. So I would say, Hey, the fruit of a volunteer is another volunteer. The fruit of a leader is another leader. If I was talking to a a church leader who was on staff today, I would say, Hey, this is not your job to recruit and develop volunteers. You may do the, you may do it with the first one, but you need to develop a system that is making it normal, normalizing that relationship. And making sure that you, you know, reduce anything else that is, I don't know, just uh, keeping them busy or, um, you know, a a big part of what I was doing even uh, 10, 12 years ago was trying to reduce the number of affinity groups at our church. You know, we were a, a, a church that was planning campuses and I was like, man, I've got to kill all these affinity groups because, um, in the past we had called them small groups. I'm like, that's not a small group. That's some guys getting together to play golf on, on Saturday morning. Now, you know, some people would push back on that. Ed, you might push back on that, but um, I don't think you think wrong playing golf though. I'm ter- I've only done it three times in my life, but your point is, is you're having this as like a church function yes, and distracting or maybe deta- you know, moving people away from right. what core things should be there. If you're calling that evangelism or discipleship, yeah. it's, it, it may have, it may have been started by a great person. Yeah. Uh, with that, I do, th- I do think I heard that Alice Alice Cooper Alice Cooper came to faith in Christ because somebody went golfing with him. I'm just saying, just Alice <laughs> Cooper, the Alice Cooper. But anyway, another story from the other day, and I'm not, you know, I don't know what he's doing right now, so I don't like semi letters if it's if it's bad. But you know, I don't, you know, it's probably like I just realized that probably like half the people listening don't even know who Alice Cooper is, but that that hurts my feelings in and of itself. So. <laughs> Anyway, can you okay. sing any songs from? No, I, I probably shouldn't because they're not really they're not really like glorifying to the Lord. My my favorite thing is the people who 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 actually say, you know, she's really good. That Alice Cooper, she's really good. <laughs> so then you're streamlining. You're you're kind of reflecting back on your McLean days. You're streamlining. You're taking some noise out of the system so that what can happen? Uh, so that we can move people forward. I mean, yeah. if people are going to be. Um, if they're not going to be as consistent, how can you move people? Um, how can you help people grow consistently when there's so much inconsistency? And I think the answer is reducing the number of complexities that you're adding to the system. And then also making sure that there's, there's a person that is taking them through that. That relationship is going, that person is going to be stickier than our preaching. Hundred percent. Okay, so I have the relationship. Um, do you draw from if I'm, you know, coaching somebody or helping somebody or training somebody, developing somebody to be a small group leader? 
Do you then draw from different resources? Like, I mean, ministry grid, I mean, what, what, cause you know, you're going to major on the relationship, but there's also some things they got to learn to do. So how do you get to right. the things they got to learn to do? Um, so in the past we, we had done uh, research with you guys actually when, when we were working together, that was about <clears throat> the number of churches that would say uh, training was essential to the health and growth of their church or development was essential to the health and growth of their church. Um, and then you looked at, and that was in the nineties. And then you looked at uh, the number of people who actually had any system or process in place to do it. And it was in the twenties. I mean, it was, I don't remember the statistics exactly. So I, don't I love how you just made those statistics up. I, don't I know didn't either, make that those sounds, up. That sounds about right to me. No, it was very similar to evangelism, actually, because okay. the same amount of people would say, hey, this is essential. But yeah, everyone's for it, but nobody it. does it. Yeah. Right. And, and so I would say when you, um, when, you, when you look at something like that, it is important to say, okay, we're going to reduce the number of things, but you do have to give people simple processes to walk through. And so whether I don't care what the process is, um, Actually, I do care a little bit what the process is, but um, it, it is designed to get them through uh, points from you know here to here. It is a steps-based thing, not a, hey, here's our program, and it, just come to our program, and it will, it will do it for you. It's like, no, we have to break that. I still want to feed you a steak, but I need to do that in bite-sized pieces. And so I would say the best way to do that is in the context of relationships. So if I was looking at a small group leader, I would say, hey, the fruit of you is another small group leader. I'm, I'm not as big of a fan of an apprentice model as I am just saying, hey, who is there um, that could potentially lead? I want to move them from uh, the comfort that they're in to uncomfort to maybe some fear. And then they're probably going to get confident more than they are competent anyway. Most of the training from that original um research I mentioned when we dug in a little bit, it was actually onboarding. It wasn't training. Interesting. So, so, so what I'm saying is for um, people to come in, a lot of that is going to be the experience piece of it. So it is that combination of knowledge, experience, and coaching. That's very similar to uh, discipleship. Same thing. Fascinating. Yeah, and your your link between the two, I think, is I think is helpful. I want to go more into this conversation, but we don't want to make our episodes like too super long. So we're going to no. continue our conversation with Todd in a future episode. But um, Todd, closing closing thoughts from you as people are like you said, they're kind of tired of talking about these things, but we are ministering in some ways in a different context. Um, one of the things we've heard. Um, I'm just talking to Eric Geiger. We your former your former boss and my past my my boss at, you know, my teaching about <laughs> the role at Mariners. Um, the, and, you know, we're talking about how we're raising up new leaders at Mariners as well. What closing exhortation would you give to church planners to reap a season of harvest, a harvesting season of leaders in new churches and really ac acro across the context? I would just say it's really, it's really not as different today as it has been for a long time. And that is um, finding people to faithfully and consistently build relationships with other people that they're taking through a process. Whether, uh, again, I, I would say, you know, the simpler the process, the better, and the more clear it is, the better. But in the end, you know, you could go back and read, uh, 
any classic work over the last 30 years. Um, you could read, you know, Jesus on leadership or, or whatever. Men were his method. Like, it really hasn't changed that much. We think that, you know, we need to shift everything. And I would say, no, we just need to find a different way to do what we know worked in the past. It may not, the way that we did it may not work. Um, we need to maybe approach it differently, but in the end, it's the same. Those are the things that move us. I mean, we can all look back to the two or three men or women of God that made us who we are. Hmm. We just need to do it intentionally. Friend of the podcast. I don't know if we have anyone who's a friend of the podcast. Uh, Todd Atkins, friend, partner in the podcast, and so thankful for his thoughts in and around leadership. We're going to have him again in a future episode. So continue, as always, to download, listen, and leave a review of the New Churches podcast. And all the New Churches resources are free at newchurches.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the New Churches podcast, brought to you by Send Network. If you like what you heard, take a few minutes to rate and review us or share this episode with a friend. It's the best way to show your support. To find more reliable resources to start your new church well, visit newchurches.com.